Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you, not for hardcore, not for jump school, but for the Church Planner Podcast. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> hey, why, while, it, Pete? why don't you keep eating your food? Because you're just phoning in this performance today. I can tell that one right now. It's the afternoon. Come on. <laughs> it's the afternoon, but we've taken two weeks off. I, I can't even give a good excuse for it. I, I really can't. It's my fault. Come can, on. Can we say it was shock from the Trump win? <laughs> <laughs> can we say that we thought we had done our part to to persuade America not to vote for Trump, but apparently it didn't work? Well, you know how Hillary was really upset and she disappeared for a while, didn't come out for it was like the hedgehog. She got drunk. She was liquored up. Like, no. Oh, yeah. She's a raging alcoholic. Oh, no. She's a raging alcoholic. It was all mm. in the, it was in the Poseida or whatever that dude's name is emails. His whole what? staff was like, what are we going to do in the afternoon when she's drunk? Because it was like, that's Hillary. Oh, are you serious? Oh, yeah. That woman is so. Oh, no kidding. I was so disappointed that Trump won, but I was so happy that Clinton lost. It was like this. <laughs> I was torn, man. I was torn. I admit it. I was torn in that one. I mean, I I, I took a play out of Brewster's Millions. You remember that movie? 1986? Yeah. yeah, I posted that on Facebook. Did you? Yeah. I Literally, Jamie and I did uh, none of the above. We did a write-in for none of the above. <laughs> Did you create a fictional character, though, to vote for? No, I just literally I typed in the word none. I was like, I'm not going to waste my time and type in none of the above. Because the way our voting machines work, you've got a little dial and you got to like pick the letter. So it's 
and <laughs> oh, like you're dialing a freaking padlock or something. It, yeah. So I love it. Well, man, you know what? The, uh, the, it, it, it was weird, man. I, I gotta say that I, okay. So you remember this? I called it. Remember, I kept saying, I think he might win. And I didn't think he was going to, I didn't think he had a chance until the last two weeks. In the last two weeks, when the FBI reopened the case on her, yeah. and that's when you started noticing it in the polls. It was like they were going yeah. down. And I was like, yeah. okay, maybe America's fed up with this woman. I don't know if she would have won anyways, and I'll tell you why. She, you could be right. I'm just saying I didn't think he had a chance until that right. happened. Well, I remember being in, in Britain during the Brexit, and we're watching the news. And, you know, fair play, their news is is generally more objective because they're not a bipartisan system. But But what tends to happen is normally you hear a lot of balance in the U.K., and there's a lot of accountability. And I remember watching the news thinking, I've been back for five years now, but I don't remember the news being this way. And it was so, it was almost like you had to be the biggest idiot if you believed in any way, shape, or form that Brexit was going to. And I, and I looked at it, they had politicians, they had businessmen, they had uh, media personalities, movie stars. All just one message, just browbeating the British public about how the Brexit was bad. Every every news channel in Britain that night, same. We kept flipping around. We want to hear the other side. There was no other side. Mm. And I told Andrew, we went to bed. I said, you know, this just feels to me like propaganda. And I, I go, I, I'm not, I'm not, con- I, I go, something's up. They're really threatened. I've never seen them like this. And so coming up to this, it just felt the exact same where the public, you know, now there's all kinds of theories and they're saying, well, you know, the white middle class, uh, blah, blah, blah. 55% of the people that voted were women. So I don't, I don't know it. And, and what I find interesting, and I'm, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican, but there's that same propaganda that when you took because I I now, don't you I, say you're not a Democrat or a Republic Republican are you still registered with one of the parties No Okay No I'm not All right I registered independent because I had to re-register when I came Yeah back. Okay All right So what happened was um, what was I saying um, So I'm not either one but now I'm hearing them say Well you know 50 percent of the voters didn't turn out and and when you listen to them. There's this assumption that if 50% of the voters came out, they totally would have voted Hillary. Right. And again, it's just the spin. And I'm like, no, no, you don't get that. You don't get to claim that everyone sat back at home. All the people would have voted for your candidate. I'm just not buying it. No. In fact, the numbers don't bear out that. Uh, I do have problems with exit polls because I think exit polls are inherently biased. Um. And and they are. I mean, usually people who are like fed up with all the crap, they don't answer your exit poll questions. They're like, dude, nope. I'm I'm done. I got to go to work. Forget yeah. this. I'm out. And I so think I, most people were just irritated. We even had to take part in this election. It was so <laughs> bad. We were just kind of mad. Like, you know what? Like the system's broke. I'm sorry, people. What, what always gets me is how Americans do this, right? 
we go, but we're still the best country with the best system in the world with the best. And that's just so typically American to do that. Number one, we don't have the best well, who election does system. Who does? We don't have the best political system. Britain, dude. I, Britain's got a way better no, system than us. No way. Yeah, they do. No yeah, way. Do. Why, do you, why do you think ours is better? Why? Because we left them. That's why ours is better. <laughs> we kicked okay. their butt. Sorry, the, UK. We did. Britain. Hey, that's not how they mm-mm. see it. They're like, hey, you guys were a huge tax liability. We're glad to have washed our hands <laughs> of you. You know, enjoy all your tax. Oh, funds. yeah. That's exactly what we see the left doing right now. Well, we didn't want to win the election. That's why we put up Hillary. <laughs> so so here's the deal, though, right? See, in Britain, when your party loses, what happens is you work with the other parties. They're called shadow cabinets. And you still share office. It's just you you reposition who takes the lead in, in leading the country. But everybody still leads the country together. And you don't have the – like you're all going to be in the office together. It's just that there's a there's a different balance of power, but it's not like ours where it's the bipartisan system, number one, and then all of a sudden, like all of the Democrats now will take a back seat and not not do anything uh for the next four years, right? Because they don't have the 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 House, they don't have the Senate, they don't have uh the executive. Um they're probably not gonna have the judicial branch. Uh, I, you yeah. know, I don't know about that. And the reason why I don't know about that is I said this before. Donald yeah. Trump's been a Democrat his whole life in action. He sure has. If not in <laughs> uh, in registration. And now that he's won, I think, one, I think you're going to find all the Republicans going, oh, well, no, that's really what our position is. Uh, that, that, that's really what it is. <laughs> you're so right. Because the, the Republican Party stopped being Republican years ago. Years ago, the, the, in the eighties, yeah. really, with with yeah. uh, well, it would, technically, it would be under um, Reagan, but yeah. uh, but I mean, we we the the Republicans, I shouldn't say we. I used to be a Republican. The Republicans used to be all about fiscal conservative, and they're not anymore. They're not. They're not fiscally conservative at all. It's ridiculous to even claim yeah. that. You can't be spending as much money as you are and be like, oh, we're fiscally conservative. No, you're not. You're not even close to it. I don't think they understand what that means. But. Well, this leads into today's topic. Oh, did you come up with one for today? <laughs> <laughs> today's topic is about values. Because there's, there's basically, if you're watching, uh, what happens to – and this is so interesting because what happens with uh, political parties – is um, the same thing that happens with the church. So like the Republicans, right? The more you hear the media saying, oh, you know, this and that and that, the Republicans have changed who they are. I mean, the, the major identity problem that the Democrats are having right now is we, we've changed who we identify with. We changed our message. We're now corporate instead of, you know, working class Democrat. And so there's this whole idea of what are our values? Well, the Republicans change their values ages ago because they don't own the media. And so they figured the only way they could fight back was to change their values and to try to morph into something that was likable, acceptable, more marketable. And they lost who they were in the process and they alienated their own base. This is the same issue right now that Christian universities are having. Christian universities who are funded by conservative theological uh, people who have a lot of money 
they, they, but the, the institutions themselves are liberal. They're finding themselves caught in the middle. Like they're like, well, Hey, we really need these guys money. So we got to toe the party line. But most of our classrooms are just teaching liberal gibberish. Mm. And so this, this happens all the time. So then the institution, which is defined by its values is suddenly becomes a whore for money because it doesn't hold to these values anymore, but it's still trying to take the money. And so it, that happens with the Republicans. It happens with institutions and it happen it happens with the Democrats. It also can happen with the church. You know, I actually uh, wrote about this in my book, leader fail. <laughs> Which I read. Cha-ching! <laughs> we haven't done that in forever. We haven't. I know. But, um, I, I can't even remember which principle it was. I just remember uh, interviewing a lot of people on the topic. And one of the things that I always found really fascinating that Biola University did, which if you don't know about Biola, Biola is one of the largest uh, evangelical Christian universities nationwide. I think it was founded in like 1906. Uh, Biola used to stand for Bible Institute of Los Angeles, right? doesn't stand for that anymore. Now it's a, a university with several different schools. Everyone who graduates still has to take 40 units of Bible, which means you have to get a minor in Bible just to graduate. But it's not just a uh, you know pastor or mission uh, a university. But interestingly enough, one of the things that they've done, and they've just recently, in the last few years, made this public, they have a uh, meeting Every year that the board of the university gets together for, along with the leadership, and they reread and reaffirm their values as a university, what they stand for, and who their identity is. And it's interesting because you look at a lot of, using that example, universities over the years. Harvard was started as a seminary. Uh, Princeton, same thing. And today, you would not classify those as Christian universities at all. I mean, they got a religion department, but it's, you know, world religions kind of a thing. And the difference to me, and who knows how long it'll stay with Biola, but, but one of the things that I believe has kept it going as long as it has, has been this every year we get together and we reaffirm what the values are. We we read what started the university and we reaffirm, this is what we're going to hold to. This is who we are. And I always found that interesting because I look at other universities and I'm like, wow, man, not the case with those. You know, not the case with the other universities. So, yeah, yeah, and that's good to know because uh, if you think about it, a lot of the boards of trustees, you know, they're there to protect the mission of the organization, and so they can be like the the Supreme Court, where suddenly they come and they go, you know what? The, okay, we see the statement of faith, and we see all this, and you know, we're we're going to change that now. If you if you're in a position where the trustees want the money bad enough, they'll change the values. They will change what they actually say about it in order to get more of the money. And um, it's it's interesting. They, they, they reinterpret the Constitution, so to speak. I know what you're wondering what I just did. <laughs> I kind of am. <laughs> what did you do? I got an adjustable desk, man. I'm standing now. Are you serious? Yeah, I know. So I went by your house at like 6.30 in the morning the other day. Oh, that was you? Yeah, and I left a bunch of boxes on your porch. I was like, please don't think this is a bomb and call the bomb squad. But uh, I, I left jump school t-shirts and books from our promotion 
on your porch. I, I, I literally opened the door. Thought, hey, Pete got a new desk. So it's like I dumpster dove at your house. And I like I know a lot about your life. I already knew you got a new desk. I, I literally I walked out that morning. And I'm like, why are there three boxes in front of my door? Why are they open? What's in these? These are books. Wait, these are T-shirts. What's going on? Like I was thrown off. I was like, I, I do not know what just happened here. It was pretty funny. Of course, I, all I had to do was send you a text, but it was like six thirty in the morning. So, by the way, your guard dogs suck. They don't sleep inside the house at night. They they didn't even like. Oof. They're outside like, the house at night. They were they were out cold. I'm just saying. We don't let them sleep in. Not. I'm just glad you got a shotgun, buddy. That's all I'm saying. Dude, I got lots of guns. <laughs> Try it again, buddy. Try it again. Nice. But, yeah. Yeah. So what else is new, man? What else is going on? Since we haven't had this podcast in forever, I feel like I don't know what's going on in your life. Well, yeah. So like I said, it was my fault. So I finished my book, which my brain is very tired. I uh, finished a book called Reaching the Unreached. Cha-ching! And uh, very good things with this book coming up. And uh, we'll see. I think it's... You pretty much just lifted someone else's material, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Did you see all the books I posted? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> hey, I'm just you know. You should what you should have said is, "Hey, I distilled all these down into one book. So all you got to do is buy mine, and you get all of these. Look at all the money you save. There you go. No, I just I like to know what's being said on a topic. I do a lot of research. It's funny because when you read my books, I don't think you read it and come out of it going, "That dude did a ton of research," <laughs> but because uh, <laughs> the way I write, you know, it's not it's not written like. You just taken a seminary class. Recently, I stopped memorizing scripture and started memorizing passages of Church Zero. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Dan Sams. Well done. Oh my gosh! You know, I can't even remember if if I've had anything exciting going on in my life the last few weeks. My son almost drowned this morning. I heard your wife. Oh, did you hear her talking about that? I yeah. did. Yeah. I was eavesdropping. I've been dumpster diving and I eavesdrop on your wife's conversation. I, the part of that conversation that I like, I had Mackenzie, not her. <laughs> so my son is bobbing in the water and some other mother goes jumping in to save him. What? <laughs> Did you hear her say that? No. I'm like, what? It, I, I don't understand. Why didn't you? And then, you know, I remember, well, she doesn't know how to swim herself. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Your wife doesn't swim? She, yeah. Dude, that's awesome. So no, like it's not. She's, no, it's well, not. Well, she's an ice skating instructor, so she can't go out on like the lake. The frozen pond? And ice skate. Yeah, yeah she no. can't do that. She no. has to be where the Stromboli lives. Yeah, she she's a Southern California ice skater. <laughs> All synthetic ice only, please. Pretty much. Pretty much. I dig it, dude. We can't talk about your wife. Because you might get in trouble. No, that's you. You're the one that gets in trouble. My wife (laughs) doesn't listen. That's good. My wife doesn't listen either. I can barely get my wife to talk to me. I can barely get my wife to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Or am I? We're going to get all this mail. (laughs) Hey, if Pete needs a good therapist, I know a guy. So Pete doesn't need a therapist. He wouldn't know what to do with one if he met one. So here's a funny thing is 
when I was working on the book, because you know, Pete, that's all I'm going to talk about for a long time, right? I'm going <laughs> to just... You knock it off. I'm lowering my desk. Every t- every time I talk on this podcast, Pete starts playing with his desk. <laughs> you look like a little person. <laughs> his mic was way up high. His desk is way down low, but his his his, his seat is low. And the the sorry, the mic was high. Oh my gosh, you look you look like you're four years old. This in. <sighs> What can I say? So while I was writing, it's really interesting. Like, this is kind of cool. I was on the train and. Uh, I saw that, I, by the way. Where were you taking the train to? Uh, first time I had to go to Burbank for a church planner meeting in LA. Is and it quicker to take the train? Time, is that the deal? I took the train because it's just so much. It's like, I think to Burbank, it would have been like five or six hours round trip in the car from where I live. Oh, yeah. And I was like, forget that, man. I'm so I had to go to Yorba Linda the other day, and I was like, man, I'm not spending two hours each way in the car. That's without traffic. So I just wrote. You know, uh, you could you can work. So that was the morning that my book was due, and it was really cool because I was literally finishing up editing the book on the same train that I finished up the proposal on on the same trip, looking out the same window. And it was completely incidental. And I just, I just thought that was cool, man. It was like God winking at you, and, you know. So I go through weird things. This is what I was going to tell you about. I go through weird things with my books. Um, w- when you're writing a book, you're in your head a lot. So you kind of number one, your brain is weird. So you use like twenty five percent of your calorie intake. Your brain uses that. So I get really tired. I actually lost weight when I was writing and I would literally from like 6 a.m. I'm up super early in the morning, but from 6 a.m., sometimes 6.30, I'd sit at my desk. I would go to bed at like 11, 11.30 and maybe have a break where I've talked to Andrea or put the kids down. You know, I'd eat dinner with them, maybe walk, maybe run. That's it. Everything else was just boom, just bullet through. And this is just editing. but you get lonely. And so when you're doing this, the only thing you can really do is put music on because you got to concentrate. And so I've been through these really weird, like musical revivals. And the first one I went through was, uh, the Smiths. And then writing this book, it was Billy Idol. So the Smiths, Billy Idol, and then it turned into Radiohead in my next session. Of you know, because you spend a lot of time in this material, and I just have been going through like these revivals of these bands, and then the last one it finished out with the Foo Fighters. So uh, yeah, so if you're reading the book and you want a soundtrack to it, uh, that's pretty much what it's going to be. That's the one. Yeah, The Smiths, Billy Idol, Radiohead, and the Foo Fighters. Hey, I'm not done talking about politics. So uh, <clears throat> what do you got? Did you see that meme? It was the best meme ever floating around on Facebook. And it was uh, John as he's writing Revelation and he's talking to God. And John's like, so uh, trumpets at the end of the world? God's like, no, I said Trump Pence. So trumpets. No, Trump Pence. (laughs) I did not see this. And and John's all, trumpets. And God goes, add don't worry about it. They'll figure it out when it happens. 
That's fantastic. Do you like the one I sent you with uh, the uh, trampoline? Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. Just comedy. comedy. I, I sent Pete a jib jab, and uh, I think I shared it on my wall. You can find it. You did. And, you did. Uh, oh my gosh. It is. And, and it was from a British site that just kind of summed up what just happened in America. It was classic. Yeah. Well, you know, the, it was interesting to me seeing the aftermath of the election. And um, I got to admit, I was like really surprised when Hector Mora came out and said that he had voted for Trump, Trump, <laughs> Trump, I almost called him a tramp when he had voted for Trump because um, I, a long time ago, this is months, maybe even a year ago, uh, a bunch of us on Facebook had taken one of those, how conservative are you quizzes? You know, you know how accurate those things are online. <laughs> and I'd come out in like the high nineties and I was like mostly upset that they didn't have like more conservative choices. I'm like, I, I'm still not that liberal. Right. Like, and, and he had come out at like 58 and then Mike Neal's, you know, who's up in Canada, which isn't, I mean, it's like the 51st state anyway, you know, he had come out in like the, the, the mid fifties. Right. So I literally just assumed Hector was a Democrat. Like I totally just assumed it because <laughs> I'm like, dude, no way, you know, Republicans going to come out in like the fifties on the, the conservative scale. So it was, it was interesting to me just to see like the dynamics and, and he, I don't know if you saw his post, but mm -mm. his, uh, he's had a lot of friends and family that like took a personal offense that he voted, uh, Trump because, um, you know, of, uh, of the whole stance on, uh, uh, immigration. Yeah. Immigration. And he's, 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 he's not just a Mexican. I mean, he is a Mexican. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I don't know either. He's a Mexican. <laughs> he's like, he is proud of his heritage, but he's, yeah, he, he just, he just, he felt Spanish. He felt really bad about how he had isolated, you know, friends and family and, uh, so it's just been interesting to see. It's been interesting to see the fallout, and I, I think you saw it, man. I posted online something. I was like, "Dude, this is a temper tantrum." All the protests and like the rioting and stuff. I'm like, "Dude, I like I didn't even vote for Trump. I can't stand the guy." But you know, this is a temper tantrum. But that like just inflamed people. You saw that Facebook post. I had the one guy yeah. going, that's it. I'm unfriending you. And I, I literally have no idea who the guy is. <laughs> I was like, and I even put that. I'm like, dude, that's totally cool. I don't know who you are or, or how we even became Facebook friends. But someone who um, I know isn't a Christian, but grew up in a Christian family. And uh, she just, I mean, she was crushed by it. And so... You know, there are a lot of people who I would say went to bat for me, but I wasn't looking for that because I just realized I was like, you know what? I'm going to ruin my I, I probably already have ruined my Christian witness to her. I'm just going to shut up. I was like, hey, look, if you want to have a civil conversation, I'll talk about it because she was, you know, dropping the F-bomb and all that and yeah. calling you out. And I was just like, dude, I didn't even vote for Trump. I'm sorry, man. I didn't vote for him, but I'm just saying these people are acting ridiculous right now. And I just realized I got to shut up, man. I just got to shut up. And so I, I caught myself a couple of times posting things. And I was like, you know what? I need to just take that off. Except for the memes. The memes I couldn't help but just hit share because they were well, so that, hilarious. That's a deal, though. But if you look at it um, from, from a biblical perspective, if you look at what's going on in the world right now, it's that people have put their trust in man 
so high that this is kind of like our, our guest a couple weeks ago, Science Mike. It's like God's died. Mm. You know, it's their God has crumbled. I mean, there are people that put all their hopes and dreams and they their world is devastated. Now, let me just tell you, I've been around. I'm 43, man. I'm old. I'm not I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And one thing I can be absolutely positive of is Trump's not going to do anything, he said. <laughs> Don't worry. He's not going to do anything. Nor do I think he's is he going to finish his presidency. Or at I, least if he does, I don't think he's rerunning. I, really I don't. said the same to Andrea. I don't think he's got another four years after this. But but here's the deal, guys, is politics is a is a talking game and and people talk and people are gullible and they believe it and they get caught up and they get stirred up in the emotions. Four years later, just like Obama, I mean, you know, I uh, hope and change. You know, I, I'll be honest, like I voted for Obama cause I want a black president. <laughs> what? I, I did. I voted for him. I'm like, heck yeah, man, put a black president in there. But wait, 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 Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. I don't even know how to take that. And, and I knew going into it, I'm like, I have no idea what these dudes politics are. I actually, I don't know what do, I it's actually, worth it to me, I voted Republican that year. Because I knew no one was going to understand my position, but I was like, look, you need to understand. I am so against Obama. I'm voting Republican. Was that to make up for the comment you made to the Mormon lady that one time? What did I say to the Mormon lady? (laughs) That's because Mormonism is a cult. (laughs) Dude, I had the JWs at my house this week and it went down, man. It went down. It did. did. Nice. It did. I don't know if I should share it. Thug life talk on them. Did you? I did. I did mention to her. I go. Do you know why I'm still talking to you? She goes, "Why?" And I go, "Because I don't want you to go talk to my neighbors." <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a pop tart? And I go, "I go. What's your name?" She goes, "I don't want to tell you what my name is." I go, "Well, I'm going to pray for you. Don't you pray for me? Don't you pray for me?" <laughs> Are you serious? Oh yeah, dude. It went down. That rocks, man. And I go, I go. Or she goes, you won't take one of my tracks? I go, will you take one of my tracks? I don't have any tracks, right? But I know they won't take any of yours. She goes, no. I go, well, then why would you expect me to take one of yours? You won't take one of mine. Well, I already know the truth. <laughs> it was, it was, it went down, What's man. What's brilliant is I know this and our listeners probably don't know this, but you've been listening to Walter Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I had just listened to a book on Audible from a, a gal who was a XJW. And so I was listening to her, all of her, her things that I didn't know about the JWs, man. I didn't, I didn't, I feel really bad. I've been in the church my whole life and I didn't know all of this stuff about the JWs that I know now. Mm. They're just people that have a crazy anointing on them. Uh, Walter Martin was one of those dudes. Yeah. Never, never to be replaced for what he did. And you can go back and, and listen. Um, there's one particular, uh, I reference it in the new book, cha-ching. I've got a link to it, um, and it's his talk, Baptism of Boldness, Mm. which rocked me forever, that sermon that he did. If you want to Google that and listen to it, um, amazing. But again, uh, it has to do with values. So we're talking about the values (coughs) today with your church plant. And, you know, speaking of that, I'm going to segue into this, if that's cool, because, and then we can do our commercial for uh, for MoGiv. Uh, you know, but, but the deal is, is that 
Um, Walter Martin goes on, uh, he, he talks about it in this talk and he says, you know, I was invited on to TBN. And, uh, of course at that time I was talking about the Colts and all this and, um, you know, Jonestown had happened and they invited me on and they said, now listen, um, when you come on here, uh, they, they said they, they prepped me in the green room before I went on TV. Uh, you can't talk and this is live. This is live television. You can't talk about, um, you know, Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, some of them are part of our donor base and they give and, and it would be nice if you would not offend them and say anything that, and they got Walter Martin on there. Wait, wait, wait. talk about the cults. Say that again. No, they literally asked him not to say anything that might offend people from the cults because they want him to come on and talk about Jonestown. Right. Cause the Jonestown massacre yeah, had happened yeah. and that's where he gained a lot of his notoriety. He was all over TV when that happened because nobody else was studying cults. And so he goes on there and, um, <laughs> and so when they're, when they're on the air, they say to him, uh, you know, um, you know, Walter Martin, why do you think, you know, they, they asked him some question and it was something to do with, um, uh, you know, why do you think cults gain? And he goes, because people don't want to hear the truth anymore. Like, for example, you could go on to a major religious TV program nowadays, and you could go on as a guest like I'm going on. And a few minutes before you take the stage, somebody says, you know, Dr. Martin, <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't say anything that might offend people. And he just starts like exposing like exactly what just went down. And <clears throat> they said, well, what do you think Jesus would, would say? And he goes, I'll tell you what Jesus would say. He'd say, you brood of vipers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Who warned you to flee the wrath to come? And, and, and she goes, she goes, can you smile when you say that? Right. It was Jan and Paul Crouch. And so he just gets the biggest, dumbest, goofiest smile he can and just goes, you brood of vipers. <laughs> <laughs> and he repeats the whole thing. And Paul starts going, uh, stop, stop j just stop there, Dr. Martin. It's okay. You don't have to continue. And he just opened up on this show because he's like, hey, you know, I had one shot. I mean, I, I knew I wasn't going to be invited back. And, and Tozer used to say the exact same thing. Tozer once wrote, A.W. Tozer, mm. very spirit-filled dude, guy that, you know, you can tell when guys I, walk you, with I, I got to stop you right there. That actually explains a lot to me because in 2004, I had a, a business and a business partner who was Mormon. And he, we had written a book. He got on TBN to pitch the book. And I was like, he's a Mormon. They know he's a Mormon. Why do they, I mean, our book wasn't religious. It was a political book. And I was like, why are they putting him That's on? That's the connection. That's the connection is because the Mormon church is so heavily involved in Republican politics. Well, and he was on the Costa Mesa uh, Planning Commission, which is where TBN is located. Mm -hmm. So he sure was always, is, yeah. he, he had to approve any like, you know, Anything they want to do, they want to expand, they want to buy yep. another property, he's got to approve it. So that was yep. it. And and so what happens is because everything is used to to promote republicanism um, around election time, they get a lot of money. 
from the Mormon church. So, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. And so, you know, as as we're talking about this, A.W. Tozer said, hey, most most conferences I've ever spoken at, I, I think I preach myself out of ever being invited back mm. again because he felt I need to say what needs to be said. And I'm not going to compromise on that when it comes to the truth and the gospel. And guys, the reason why all of this is important is we live in a day and age where truth is under constant attack and who God is, is under constant attack. Years ago, there was a, a rock band by the name of Thrice. Boy, and, that, that uh, train really wants you to know he's coming, doesn't he? Well, you know, right before the podcast, Pete, Pete was having a problem with the sound. He could not hear the train. But I, I went outside to yell at the train because Pete's trying to get the, 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 the sound set up. And I was so mad because this train was just laying on the horn. Well, a dude almost got hit. He, he was standing on the tracks. I don't know if his dog got caught or what, but people die because their pets go across the tracks and they go to and try to save them. The mayor of Encinitas died two years ago, um, chasing, trying to save his dog. His dog went across the tracks. And train hit him and mm-hmm. uh, didn't care if he's a mayor. And uh, so anyways, so I, I ran out there to do that. And uh, I think they're a little shook up today. Yeah, he probably put out the word. Hey, there's this bozo down by such and such. Train. Down by Peyton's house. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you see that, uh, that article that Tyrone put up about the guy who was letting off the foghorn in the neighborhood? <laughs> In El Segundo. I was like, hey, that's not too far from Peyton. That's uh, so funny, dude, because uh, that guy was, the uh, Tyrone said, hey, you thought it was a train all this time. It's this dude running around. <laughs> <laughs> His picture is the best. And the best part about the post was one of my friends on Facebook goes, I want to party with that cowboy. <laughs> I mean, he was the most crazy looking dude. Well, the ever. funniest thing is uh, someone put in the comments that in Florida, same thing happened. Only the guy was let off because the courts ruled it was an expression of free speech. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if, if letting a foghorn go is his lifestyle choice, we fully support him in that. <laughs> and in California, man, <laughs> anything goes. We've banned plastic bags. Someone, yep. Legalized pot. Someone put a someone put a meme at the same time on Facebook of, well, now you got to pay an extra ten cents when you buy your pot. <laughs> <laughs> to get the back. <laughs> Just put it in my palm. Just put it in my palm. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, so sorry. That's another hot topic for the podcast. We, I told you I had a million topics until today, and I'm like, Pete, I can't remember any of my topics. But uh that was one of them. Because that that's that's the next one the church is gonna have to start dealing dude, with. Dude, I actually would love I would love to have a conversation on that because I think we probably have different views on that topic. Yeah, probably. Because you've had a lot more uh, experience with people who have OD'd and and died and all that stuff yeah. from drugs. So, yeah, yeah, we should definitely talk about it because not not today, <laughs> not today, but come back for the podcast. But anyways, when we so, decide to so, do another recording <laughs> in a galaxy. Far, far away, long, long ago, there was a band called Thrice. They did break up, and they came back together, much to my joy. And their new album is just freaking awesome. But uh, they wrote this book, uh, this this song, Dude, Afternoons Are Tough. And plus, my brain's tired 
from writing the book. I literally like I have mental fatigue right now, but uh, he, he he's got a lyric in a song called Circles, um, which is off their album Beggars, which I still think is their best album ever. But uh, they've got this amazing lyric. There's a song called Circles. It's basically Ecclesiastes um, put to music. And, uh, and then he's got this part where he says, true progress means matching the world to the vision in our heads, but we always change the vision instead. And it's just such a great reminder. Like that's what we do. You know, we, we, we have this vision. We know what's right. We know where we ought to be, but we're supposed to change the world to fit that vision. Instead, what we do is we change the vision to fit the world. Mm. And that's what we're doing right now in Christianity is we're hearing the media, we're hearing all this stuff, we're reading all this you know, stuff on the internet, and we're changing the message of the gospel to fit what the world will accept. And once you start changing the gospel to what the world will accept, you have a gospel that's unacceptable. Literally, I mean, why should I even believe that? See, Britain did this. Um, I uh, and I, again, I hate to. I, I have lived in reachingtheunreached.com for the last. It'll be reachingthereachbook.com for the last ten days. So that's all I've known. But I've got a part in there where I talk about the fact that Britain, uh, after World War II, um, just emptied their churches. But they emptied it by trying to make the church more palatable. They basically watered down the gospel, went for a liberal version of Christianity. It was like, hey, basically, whatever you want to believe, you know, your truth is my truth. My truth is your truth. You know, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to believe. And it emptied the churches. And guys that were factory workers that had a little bit of the fear of God in them that were, hey, you know, I I, I don't think about eternal things often, but it, it does weigh on me from time to time. You know, I have a little bit of a... Uh, an awareness of eternity, an awareness of my responsibility uh, towards God. And, um, you know, the, the reality is that they didn't, uh, they didn't seize on that. Instead, they're like, hey, well, you know, church is struggling. Let's get people back in. Let's water down the message. Mm. And, and that's what we're doing in America right now. We're watering down. And, and if we learn from history, we will learn that it doesn't work. People will come into your church and what you've done is you've stripped the gospel of its power. You literally strip the, the gospel has teeth, right? The, the, when it says that Paul stands before Agrippa, it says in Acts that he reasoned him about uh, uh, self-control, righteousness, and the judgment to come. Now, you would think if you're standing in front of a president, right? I mean, no, oh, no, no, Paul, you got this all wrong, man. If that guy gets saved, he's going to be very influential. You got to tell him about the grace of God. Tell him about. Paul goes, nope. Guy who was the biggest dispenser of God's grace on the planet, what does he do? Self righteousness, or excuse me, not self right. Righteousness, self control, and the judgment to come. That's mind-blowing, dude. That's hmm. Paul going, you need this. You need truth first because you're a king. Everybody kisses your butt, tells you everything that you do is wonderful, that you're above the law, and let me let me just lay it down for you. This is where it's at for you right now. Boom. 
That is the teeth of the gospel. He let the teeth bite people. He let the gospel. He wasn't trying to gum people into the kingdom of heaven. You know, he wasn't trying to slobber them and lick them into the kingdom. He let the gospel, which has teeth, bite where it needed to. And uh, and so did John the Baptist. John the Baptist before Herod goes, hey, let me let me talk to you about uh, adultery. <laughs> and that didn't go so well for him. No, it did not. So, uh, you know, we, we've got this issue where, you know, uh, the best thing I've seen all day and all week, uh, besides uh, the, the Donald Trump as the dog and Hillary as the child getting on the trampoline. Not able to get into the White House. Not able to get into the White House trampoline and jump around. Um, the, the best thing that I've seen since then is, have you ever seen these uh, Thug Life videos? Yeah, I saw the someone, one you did today. Yeah, so <laughs> these, these have been around for a while. Sometimes they're really stupid and dumb. But the one with R.C. Sproul, and I, I got to say, I love R.C., man. He's one of the best thinkers, whether you're reformed or not. Um, R.C. is one of the best guys to hand over to an atheist. If you want to really have people listen to a guy who can reason, can articulate, who is logical, um, all those things, you, you, you give him a little bit of R.C., and he's not going to candy coat anything. And he, he has this part where they, they ask him this question. I wish we could play the clip, but they, they, they ask him this question at this Q&A at a conference, and they go, hey, um, you know, if, if God is slow to anger, and then they, they, they correct the, the guy asking the question, they go, since, oh, since, since God is slow to anger and abounding in mercy, why would he... Um, why, why would he have been so harsh to Adam when he, when, when he sinned in the garden? And R.C. Sproul goes, well, time out. <laughs> time out. Wait a second. And he just unfolds, you know, that the eternal, holy creator of the universe and, and a clot of dirt given a soul rebels against him. And he just outlines but he covers him with grace immediately. He doesn't die on that day, but his life is extended day after day after day. And then he goes and ultimately the judgment is going to culminate in the death of his son who's going to die. And that's what it's going to cost to redeem us. He goes, <laughs> and your question is why was God so harsh on Adam? And he goes, What's wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> and then the thug life glasses come down and the rock music plays. Followed by a, a this is what's wrong with the church today. That was great. He goes, we don't know who God is anymore. And we don't know who we are. Now, I'm telling you, that is the kind of preaching that sees people saved because they're confronted with their need before a holy God, right? Um, it, it, there, there is a way to strip the gospel of its power, the way to strip it down of its potency. You can water it down just like you could water down a glass of Coke, right? You could just be like, oh, I'll put tons of ice in it, make it taste better. And that ice melts pretty quick. And pretty soon you got something not worth drinking. And that's how it works with the gospel. And mm -hmm. guys, I, I just look, we're in an age right now where, um, 
I, I'm really hard to nail down, I think, theologically, because I've been in so many different camps. But when I start pulling towards liberal, I, 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 the only cure for me is, is the reform camp. That's where I get grounded again. I think I'm always in the middle of everybody. Um, but if I start hearing things where I'm like, oh, you know, that, that's a good point. I have to get everybody pulls on me in different ways. And I got to say, on the times where I'm like starting to think thoughts or have heavy doubts about God or who he is, those are the guys I go to. And they ground me again. It's kind of like when you got a, a a motorcycle and the bolts are starting to like kind of get a little bit loose and the thing's rattling and it starts rattling worse. And because that part's rattling, it starts causing screws to come loose in other parts. I just find that good, solid theology like that is like a rivet going, zzz, zzz, you know, just tightens it up again, man. Mm. I dig it, man. I do. That's cool. Yeah. So guys, don't don't water down your values. Don't change your values to fit the world. And if that's a temptation you have, there's there's obviously ways that we approach people with the gospel. Like you don't just you know God hates you, you know, and you know there's a way that you can preach that is wrong, you know, quite frankly, that's not Christ-like. That's not uh, it's not giving the whole counsel of God. You can go the opposite direction. But Paul said, hey, I made it my aim to, to give you the whole counsel of God. And a whole, he says, my, 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 he literally says, he uses the expression that my hands are clean, like my conscience is clear. My hands are clean before God that I gave you the whole counsel of God. I, I didn't hold anything back when I was with you. If you go to your eternal punishment, you go to your eternal punishment not because I didn't stop you or hold you back or tell you. And guys, that's something that we're going to stand before God one day and give an account for it is did, were we faithful to preach the gospel? Were we faithful to keep to these values? And so in this world and in this day right now, we're seeing that these, this whole idea of values where people are in there coming back going, Hey, we lost our values. You know, we lost this fight because we compromise who we are. Um, this is a time for the church to look and do some soul searching and say, you know, it's all fine and good to talk about, you know, politicians saying this and, and people in the secular realm, but what about us as a church? Is this something that we are guilty of? And if so, what do we need to do about it? And I would say, spend some time with... <laughs> If, if you need that balance, go spend some time with your R.C. Sproles. Go spend some time with your hardline preachers who stick to the gospel and know the gospel very well. What would you say, you know, in, in parting, if you will, to, uh, <clears throat> to the church planner to keep their, their church focused on their core values? What, what, are, what are some things that they can implement? I get, you know, the individual... Like you said, go read some R.C. Sproul because you're a reader. But uh, let's talk about the church, their church, when their church starts to wane off. Well, that usually tells me that the pastor himself is spending too much time doing admin. And he probably needs to get SimplifiedChurch.com. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, tell me more of this magical thing. 
Well, then he could get back to the second thing that I'm about to tell you. And that is, but you know, what, what he does, he goes to simplifychurch.com and Simplify Church will simplify all of his accounting needs, all of his admin needs. They'll deal with the IRS. They'll take care of all the stuff that he doesn't want to do and doesn't have time to do because dang it, he should be keeping his people centered on values. Where does he find out about this place again? Simplifychurch.com. What? Simplify me. So back to our point, what, what do you do? Well, th- there's a bunch of things. I mean, for, for me, um, you're, you need to know your own values. If you don't know them, if you've never sat down and thought about them, you need to know them. Number two, you pick things regularly to go through. And when I say regularly, I don't mean like all the time, but you need to strategically think about how often do I want to remind people of these values in teaching? Um, do I want people like, you know, regularly once or twice a year is about how often we'd have a vision meeting. We would, I would tailor that whole thing. You'll remember Pete, I would tailor those whole things around our values. Um, and, and probably the best thing ever is to be on mission. You know, when I talk to liberals, like I remember once being, um, lip, being on mission keeps me grounded on everything, keeps me praying. Keeps me reading the word, keeps me walking with Jesus, keeps me stepping out in faith. Mission is for me the cure all. And so, uh, for example, I had a guy, he was a liberal guy. He came to a church planning thing we did in Europe and he was like, Hey man, I really want to work with you. Um, love what you do. And you know, he was, he was throwing all the liberal stuff out during lunch and I just looked at him across the table and I really liked him. And I said, man, I would love to work with you. You seem like the coolest dude on the planet, but here's the thing. If I go into your church, I'm going to preach about judgment and, 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 and their obligation to a holy God and the cross and how Jesus took their eternal punishment in hell. And I said, I'm, I'm going to empty your church. I'm, I'm going to wreck what you've built because you're preaching the opposite of that stuff. I said, but at the same time, and I, and I said, because I believe that's the power of God to salvation. It's the cross is the power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I said, but here's the other thing. You come into my pulpit. I got a bunch of, and this was in Wales even. I, I said, I've got heroin addicts here. I've, I've got people that seem <laughs> like Long Beach again. I've got people that they're trying not to sleep with people for rent money. Um, I've got people here that if you come bringing all this loosey goosey and I don't mean the grace of God, I mean, we were, I've always been about the grace of God. I've been a gospel man for 20 years, but you know, it, it, it basically, I just said, you're going to, they're all going to end up back on crack or heroin or, you know, sleeping around because they need this gospel that not the fear. They don't need that, but they need the gospel. And if you start undermining what Jesus did for them by making light of the cross. Like you make light of God's judgment. You make light of the cross. You make light of the cross. You make light of the power that saved them. You make light of the power of the cross that saved them. You're going to make light of the power of the resurrection that's preserving them. And you're going to wreck them. And I said, so I don't know how we can work together with you as a liberal and me as a theological conservative. I, I just don't know how that could happen. What did he say to that? He actually got it. 
because I put it like he, he was like, well, I, I'm sorry you feel that way. But when you say it like that, like he was a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just goes, you know, when you say it like that, that kind of makes sense. Hmm. Cause he knew I, I put it in the comment. I'm going to go to your church and I'm going to preach on hell. I'm going to, because when I preach a gospel, hell always comes into it. So, and, and he got it. He just understood. Yeah. If we swap pulpits, we'd be in trouble. Hmm. You know, your your crowd, my crowd would 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 suffer. I think his crowd would be better. <laughs> <laughs> I just think my crowd would suffer. Mm, interesting, man. This is my podcast. <laughs> I like it, dude. It's just it's causing me to think. I don't I don't care for that too much, but it's making me think. What do you mean? I, it's just my wheels are turning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean oh, you don't care for thinking too much? I don't care for thinking too much. But but you'll know, Pete, right? Like when you come into Refuge Long Beach, I'm not like all judgment. And, oh no 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 no! I no I totally get it. I'm actually surprised that um, he received it as well as he did because he, he really did. I think it made him think a little bit. And you know, everybody's uh, here's the deal: is I came from a background where I I got you know, like I said, like I'm grateful to guys like R.C. Sproul and those guys. Like I heard gospel. Hardcore gospel preaching, but here's the deal. When you're actually watching people's lives change, this is the deal. I will tell you, liberal churches do not tend to see conversions. They see a lot of transfer growth from people are like, oh, yeah, I didn't like my old church. You don't see a lot of conversions. Or you see people who come from any walk of life want to be a little bit of religious, and they come and go, oh, this kind of fits my lifestyle. But I will tell you, I've been around liberal churches, particularly in my younger years, my mom went to a very liberal church growing up. Now, they were universalists. My mom, my my family was into the occult. And I went to a liberal church. And when I got saved, I tried going back to that church. And they basically tore me up one side or the other and told me I was a fanatic for believing the gospel. And I remember saying to the priest, I go, why is it that when I was going to hell, you left me alone? But now that I'm following Jesus... You take me aside and tell me off. I go, I don't get this, you know, and, and, you know, I, I can't even remember what he said, but I remember being kind of like, are you kidding me? Hmm. <laughs> you had no problem with me when I was like getting kicked out of school and hmm. you know, almost going to jail and like, you had no issue with me then. So anyways, that's a whole nother, whole nother topic of wounds for me to open up. But you know what? Dang it, Pete. What I want to know. Yes, Peyton. Before we end the podcast, if people wanted to go to a church like Refuge and give to it, what would be a good way for them to do that? You know, that's a great question, Peyton. In fact, I appreciate you asking that question. There is a magical service that allows people to give via text or online and even set up automatic bank drafts right out of their account. You know what it's called? I don't. Mogive.com. <laughs> M-O-G-I-V. You know, Pete, we're not as funny in the afternoon, are we? No, we're not. Not even close. We can't do the podcast <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> this is what happens when we... I, we've never missed two weeks in a row before. Never. It was my bad. Everybody, I'm sorry. It was well, one bad. week was your bad. The other week, we both couldn't do it on that day, and you were so overwhelmed with your book that we didn't pick a new day. But anyway, back to the commercial, head on over to mogive.com forward slash church and sign up 
for MoGive.com. They'll get you all hooked up. And Peyton sent you. And don't expect me to give to your church or nonprofit unless you got MoGive, because Petey don't play that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, in closing, before we, we, uh, we release them from listening to this awesome podcast we've done, uh, want to share, we got a, yeah, I know we got a, um, we got a review for, it looks like hardcore church planning. It was a positive one. I'm assuming it was a five star. I didn't actually look. I just, uh, uh, I'm reading it. It's from ski peoples. (laughs) 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 And it says this, I've really enjoyed listening to Pete and Peyton Engage leaders as they talk about issues and solutions for the incredibly hard world of church planting. The variety of listeners they bring on the podcast are helpful for church planners, sending pastors, and those supporting church plants. Of course, the final question is the capstone on the podcast. Thank you guys for your work. And if you don't listen to hardcore church planning, you wouldn't know what that final question is, but it is the best question we've ever had. Yeah, we 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 had a, a doozy of a question on jump school. We you and I we, played that game. We we took it over to jump school and and <laughs> dug in a little bit deeper and and left it off of uh, the podcast for the general public. But I will say this: I believe I think it was Todd Wilson who was on this last week. I believe he listens to the podcast because. As soon as we went into that final question, he goes, uh, the podcast is over, right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I think he knew what was coming, man. I think I he knew what was coming. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Skibibbles, for that. <laughs> and, uh, Pete, uh, why don't you tell Skibibbles what he won? Here's what you won. You won a copy of, uh, <laughs> when it was it called again, Jump School. Is that what we call it? <laughs> I, I, yeah. It's, it's Jump School, the movie. <laughs> Uh, you've won a copy of uh, Jump School, the movies, plural? Series. Jump School, the series. Jump School, the series, along with the Jump School study guide. All you got to do to get it is open up Church Planner Magazine on your iPhone or Android. And down in the lower right-hand corner is a little gearbox for your settings. Click on that. Then there's a button that'll pop up that says, contact us here. You tap that. You email it. And you say, hey, I'm Skipeoples. I want my free stuff. <laughs> And that actually will send us your device token, and we can unlock that on there for you so you don't have to pay for that. And that offer is, of course, good for anybody who wants to leave us a review. We want those reviews for either Church Planner Magazine, Church Planner Podcast, or Hardcore Church Planning. And if you left one for all three, we'll give you three free things. So Wait. And please leave a five-star review. Don't be like me, who took an Uber the other day for the first time. I've been an Uber with other people. If I did my other Uber... I talked to the guy. I said, hey, man, so, like, I just leave your review after this? Yeah, no problem. Got an email. It said, hey, leave this guy uh, a review. How'd it go? I thought it was a swipe. thought you could swipe across. I hit the one star. <laughs> trying to swipe across. All of a sudden, the screen changed. I got a message immediately. We're, we're sorry it didn't work out. Maybe we can do better next time. I'm like, oh, no. Driver dude was awesome. Did they call you? No, but I re-hit the link and tried to swipe again. That time I managed to hit the two and uh, give him two stars. So then I hit it again and I just pressed the fifth star and it filled up all five stars. 
and homeboy got his five-star review. So you hope. I hope, but please don't be like Peyton. Do you tip <laughs> when you're done with your Uber? Well, I asked him about that. I'm like, hey, this is my first time. That's what I say every time I get an Uber. I said, hey, this is my first time today. Am I supposed to tip you? And he's like, well, no, no, no. You don't. It's not a part of it. I mean, you can if you want, but I think they're told to say, like, no, you don't. You don't. It's no, it's not part of it. But uh, see, I'm afraid to ask Hector Mora because I think he's going to give me biased information (laughs) as an Uber driver. He's going to be like, yeah, you tip. Well, I think their biggest. I think it's kind of, I was talking to a writer today and I was saying the problem with ghost writing is that's like a quick, that's like quick money, but it doesn't help your career. So your currency is your platform and your name. You get your name out there and it's the same with these guys. I think like the one or two bucks, I think they're like, no dude, just hit me with a review. You hit me with a review, more, more, more passengers want to take me. So guys, if you hit, a five-star review on us, that propels us. It's not a swipe, so, by the way. You, it's you, not a swipe. Do not give us a one-star. Pete will come after you. Not <laughs> only will he not give to your church plan if you're not signed on MoGive, he will lay the smack down on you if you give him. I, see, I know now church planners are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put it. You know, I'm going to put a one-star. You can't do that to church plan. It's But here's the thing. You got to understand, I will destroy your church online. <laughs> You think I'm just going to go after you? I'm going to go after your church plant. I'm going to be yeah, reviewing it on Google. Not only, not only did they not have MoGive, they ding, 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 ding. So. Most boring sermon ever. <laughs> Don't go to this church if you're high. You'll never stay awake. Man, they were just perfect people. I mean, can any normal people go here? I felt totally underdressed. <laughs> second rate lyrics set to third rate tunes <laughs> i had a great comment but i can't share it i'll have to wait till we're <laughs> offline so here's the deal um at at the end of the day guys honestly if you give us a good review you'll get a freebie from us as a thank you and you'll also help promote us into the stratosphere so that other people see us it gets circulated more and we do more damage that way that's right. So why don't you give them our uh, our final thoughts, and uh, then you can go to the bathroom, which apparently you have to. Uh, no, I'm just moving. You know, I actually don't have to go to the bathroom. I just like my swivel chair. Guys, Jeez, this I has been... I gotta take a leak so bad I can taste it. <laughs> there he is. We missed him last week when I actually I did know, have to pee. Guys, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you that we should never do the podcast in the afternoon. Stay tuned with us next time as we do it in the morning and teach you how to reach the unreached by going where nobody's going and doing what nobody's doing. You okay, Hoser? I'm your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. He saw Jedi 17 times, eh? Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.